all day. It's been a great day. Um, the raising kids. Now, I'm going to kind of, uh, I said something this morning that I'm going to kind of finish up tonight about living intentionally. Um, I, uh, I read an illustration, you know, that went with this morning's message about raising children. Harmon Killebrew, a, a baseball player, Hall of Famer of, of yesteryear, when he was being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, they asked him, they was asking him about his home life. And he told of um, his father, when Linda said that we need strong fathers, he told of a story of his dad. He said, uh, my father was one that taught me and my brother to play baseball in the front yard of our house. And uh, he said, one day my mom came out and was getting on to my dad because we were tearing up the front yard. She said, you are wrecking the front yard. And to her response, he said, we are raising kids, not grass. Isn't that good? Isn't that a great response? We're raising kids. We're not raising grass. And uh, I thought, boy, what a powerful statement from a strong, loving father that uh, is investing in his, in his kids. Uh, I want to talk to you about living intentionally. For those that, if you can get the computer going, I'll read from Deuteronomy chapter 30, and uh, I'll start reading from verse 11. And uh, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna be putting up a theme here, a new theme in a couple of days, and it's all going to be about time, uh, about, and that, that'll be the theme for this year. But I want to talk to you about living intentionally. And I'll explain that in just a moment uh, about what that really means, what I want to project by that. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11, now to set the scene about some scriptures, sometimes you read some scriptures and you don't understand the setting, and it loses, it loses a little bit of the uh, strength. Even though all scripture is given by inspiration of God, the settings in which it is given really adds a little bit of strength to what's going on. And, and these are Moses' last words uh, to the people he has fixed and leave. He's 120 years old. He knows he's fixing to leave. And he has lined these people up. And he's given them some, some instructions about the way they are to conduct their life. And uh, I think it's all about being intentional in the way you, they conduct their lives. And he's given them a choice. Uh, being intentional is a choice. And so I want to talk to you uh, this year. I think we need to be a people that, uh, of intentions. Not just intentions, but living intentionally. And uh, I'll explain that in a moment because it, it loses something in translation. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. Verse 12 says, It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? It's not a question. It's not somewhere far off. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us? that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. It's not, it's not what you don't know that is our problem. It's not what I don't know that's my problem. It's the things that I do know that I just don't do. All right, are you with me? So he's saying, now look, it's not something that you don't know. It's not something that's far off across the sea, and it's not something that's far off in the heaven that you, you're going to have to have somebody bring to you. It's already near you. 
But the word is very new near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Verse 15 says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Verse 16, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against, today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants or you and your seed may live. Our decisions just does not affect us. Our decisions does not just affect us, but it affects those around us and it affects our descendants or our seed. Now, life and death are in the power of our choices. Our decisions, now listen to this very, most people judge others by their actions and they judge themselves by their intentions. Did you hear that? You know, but I want you to understand we make a problem. Good intentions alone is not enough. See, intention means intending purpose. I plan, I plan next summer on doing something. That's intentions. I have, I have good intentions of the next summer. I'm going to do some things different next summer than I, than I'm do, than I did, you know, that I didn't do this last summer. That's good intentions, but intentions are intending purpose. Purpose that's way out there. That's intentions. But intentionally is this. Intentional or intentionally is something done on purpose. I planned on hurting your feelings. I did it intentionally. I planned it. It's purpose. It's, it's something that I purpose to do. I intentionally did this. Now that's different than, than intentions. But I intentionally, I planned it. I, I did it. I set my course. I planned it and I did it. That's living intentionally. And, and this year, you as I as believers need to start living intentionally. We need to start living with purpose and making decisions uh, uh, in advance to, be, to begin to plan what we want to accomplish in our year. Talking and about change is not enough. Pledging that I'm going to change in the future is not enough. Making resolutions is not enough. None of these things brings about change. We must start to live intentionally. Now, we need to become proactive rather than reactive. Some, some of us, we just kind of drift through life in, a, in our Christian life and we just kind of react to some of the negative things that happens in our life. I mean, stuff comes our way, we're drifting through life and we're, it seems like we're always just reacting to something that happens. Instead of reacting to things that happen, we need to be proactive and start things happening in our life in a positive way, not a negative way. That's what I mean when I'm saying we need to live and begin to live intentionally every day of our life. Live intentionally. Now, there was a funeral home that, that uh, had a couple of guys that, that was getting ready for a funeral. And uh, they messed up and they got the suits on the wrong people. And when, the, and when the report came to the funeral director, hey, we messed up and we put the wrong suits. I mean, we switched the suits and somehow the wrong suits got on the wrong people. And the funeral director said, that's not a problem. Just change heads. They'll never know. Now, what in the world is the point of me saying that? I said that to say this. Change starts from the top. Yes, 
Come on, that's better than your, hey, change starts. That's not good. That wasn't a good illustration, was it? You didn't like that, did you? What about that didn't you like? I thought that was cool. No telling how many times that's happened to us and we didn't know. Guys, <laughs> if you change heads, nobody will notice. Change starts from the top. To be all we can be for God and reach our full potential, there's, we have to begin to live intentionally in our ministry, in our church, in our families, uh, in, in our uh, careers, in our personal lives. We must begin to live intentionally with purpose, making plans and doing the right things. Notice that he was standing now as he was, he was talking to these people. They were standing on the, on the brink of Canaan. This is, this, is where they, this is where God was wanting to take them. And in the scriptures, Canaan is always a place. It was a God symbol of maturity. It was always in the scripture a symbol of blessing or prosperity uh, in the lives of people. It was a symbol of a target area where God wants to take you. And notice now, they failed to fully inhabit that place. Now, there's reasons why they did not fully inhabit the land of Canaan. Now, I want you to go on your, on your computer now. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to begin to read. There's five basic reasons why they failed to occupy that land. And those five basic reasons hinder also us being and doing what God wants us to do today. So I want to, on this first month of the new year, I want to share them with you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Now notice this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. Now notice, I want you to underline in your scriptures, if you read your Bible and your devotions, underline every time he says all. When I go through here, you underline. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, how many were under the cloud? All passed through the sea. How many? All passed through the sea. Now, I can't, that kind of messed up there. All were baptized into Moses. How many? In the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. How many? And all drank the same spiritual drink. For the drink of that spiritual rock had followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now notice this next statement. But with most of them, God was what? He was not well pleased. Now all of them had the same opportunity. All of them had opportunity. All of them was in the same place. All of them drank from the same spiritual rock. All of them, all of them were, were, were God's people. But with some of them, God was not well pleased. Why? They all had the same opportunity. They all, they, all would, they all knew that the spiritual rock had followed them. They all had that. But with some, there was something wrong in some of them's lives that they didn't, they, they was not living intentionally. They was more reactive than proactive. And with that, God was not well pleased. Now listen, we want to please God, do we not? I want to please God. Now we face these same five issues today, and I want to share them with you. First of all, in verse 6, first of all, lust. They lusted after evil things. This lust is based on satisfying self at the expense of God and at the expense of others. It's not, it's not, in this particular setting, it's not talking about sexual lust. It's talking about lust that puts self above everything else. Now, the one thing that hindered them from reaching the place where God wanted them to be is that they, they were self-centered and selfish and they were self-serving and they didn't get to the place where God wanted them to be. Now, our world, now listen, our world has built a shrine to self. 
And in our church world, we, are, we run to all kinds of conventions. We run to all kinds of, we pay, we pay high registration fees. We go stay in expensive motels just to go to a place where somebody will lay his hands on us and, and, and bless us on credit. Do we not? Why? Because we're trying to get what God wants to give us by, but, but by getting, kind of going around in the back door to make God and force God to bless us and escape the responsibility of doing what he wants us to do. Listen, that is lust. That is trying to get what God wants to give us the wrong way. That's a type of lust. Lust drives us to get legitimate needs met in illegitimate ways. The Israelites, they craved, their feet was going toward Canaan, but their heart was back in Egypt. They lusted after the watermelons and the leeks and the garlics. And if you'll read the story, though they may be headed toward Canaan, their heart was in Egypt. They craved what they had had in Egypt. Listen, church, we can't get into the problem. Listen, you, if you're a Christian and if you're wanting to live for the Lord, you better get your eyes focused on where God wants to take you, not on where you have been. Lust for the world's pleasures is revealed in broken homes, broken bank accounts, easy credit, five easy payments, nothing down, no interest till 2009. It will lead to bondage and bankruptcy. Why? Because you are, you are allowing the lust in your life to get you in all kinds of places where God doesn't want you to be. It hindered them, it hinders us because when you get in bondage, you are not free to do what God wants you to do. And it will rob you of God's best time after time after time after time. I'm not happy here, so happiness must be somewhere else where I'm not. Or having something I do not have. You're right here, right now. You need to get God-centered in the very center of your life and live for him and start be living uh, uh, you know, uh, proactive rather than reactive. And you need to start living intentionally this year for the Lord. We need to center our lives once again back on Jesus. Now notice, secondly, idolatry. There was, first of all, they had problems with a lust problem. And then secondly, idolatry. Now what is idolatry? Someone says, you know, I, I don't have an idol in my backyard. But idolatry has nothing to do with an idol in your backyard. It has everything to do with a value system that we create in which we esteem something more worthy of our devotion than our devotion to God. Let me run that by you again. It is a value system that we create in which we esteem something more worthy of our devotion than our devotion to God. That becomes an idol in your life. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Now let me ask you a question. Is there anything in our life that competes for God's time? Is it making money? Is it popularity? What is it that you sell out? What shrine do you sell out for? Is it power? Is it career? Is it a job? Is it business? Is it education? Is it a hobby? Could it be some sports? Could it be television, religion? And the list goes on and on. Could it be recreation? Could it be leisure? All of these things. It could be your husband. It could be your wife. Anything that you create that competes for God being first place in your life becomes an idol to you. America has taken her freedom of choice and her blessings that God has given her and forgotten to put him first in their life. You say, how can that be? Dozens of churches will close their doors today because nobody is there. How could a country who has freedom to worship, where churches had been on street corners for 50, 60, 100 years, close their doors? 
because America's Christians has taken their freedom and chosen not to worship God. Okay? Something has taken the place of the devotion they had for God and has, and has robbed them of the, of, their, of the blessing that God wants to give them. This year, live intentionally with purpose. The third thing is found in verse 8. Thirdly, sexual immorality includes every kind of sexual sin. Hollywood has legitimized sex outside of marriage, but not in God's eyes. I don't care how legitimate that people try to make it. I don't care how acceptable that Hollywood tries to package it. Everywhere, I tell you what, in, in, everywhere in the Bible and in the eyes of God, it has always been rejected. It always will be, and it will always bring negative results in your life and hinder you and keep you from God's best. Sexual immorality. The list goes on of the people that has fallen for this thing called sexual lust. Sexual lust is a flame that you cannot afford to fan. You are not strong enough. If when, when sexual lust begins to rear its ugly head, the best thing you can do is run. Like Joseph, leave your coat before it takes your hide. Run. You can't, if you, if you get built up in pride and think, well, I can handle this. I don't have to worry about it because I'm strong enough spiritually to resist that. Go talk to Jimmy Swaggart. Go talk to Jim Baker. Somewhere along the line, it started in their life, and they didn't get help, and it consumed them. You and I cannot afford to play around with this. God has never accepted it, never will accept it. Sexual sin is still sin, it's still black, it still robs you, and it will destroy you spiritually. Ask Samson. In spite of the fact that Samson was born to godly parents, in spite of the fact that Samson was set apart from his birth to be a Nazarite, in spite of the fact that Samson had the position of judge in Israel, in spite of the, in spite of the fact that Samson had, had God's calling upon his life, he was conquered by sexual lust. And at the end of his life, the pride of Israel was beaten, blind, and bound because he thought he could play around with this stuff and beat it. You can't beat it when you start messing around with it. Run. And if you're not strong enough to run, get help. Get help. Why is sexual sin so devastating? If I steal a loaf of bread off of you, I can buy you two to replace it. But if you steal sexual favors from someone, sexual favors are something you can never repay. Once it's stolen, it's gone. And it can never be replaced. And it's devastating to a marriage when sexual promiscuity gets involved in a marriage. The thing that we need to do is run, run, run. It will keep you from God's best. It will destroy the, 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 the ministry that God has marked out for you. And the fourth thing that hindered them is they tempted Christ. They tempted God. Now, what is tempting God? It's asking God to do something that is contrary to his will or inconsistent with his character. Now, you get a hold of this, and you need to write this, some of this stuff down right here. Tempting God or tempting Christ. It's asking God to do something that is contrary to his will or inconsistent with his character. I want to give you some illustrations. Lying and cheating in business and then asking God to bless it. 
That's tempting God. That's inconsistent with his character. You're asking him to bless, to bless dishonesty. God's not going to do that. You're tempting God when you ask him to do that. And that's, that's just an illustration. Okay, but if you're doing that, you need to straighten up. Because that is not, that is not right. Children rejecting God at counsel, doing the wrong thing, and then asking God to cancel the harvest of the rebellion. That's tempting God. You reap what you sow. Sometimes God's canceled the harvest. Most of the time he doesn't. Why? Because it's a form of discipline to bring you back into line. So understand this. Writing a hot check and asking God to cover it. That's tempting God. I know people that did that. <laughs> I was at the apple farm and I saw a cup upon a shelf. When I saw that cup, I thought of someone I need to sit, I was going to send it to. And uh, the cup, on the cup it said, I can't be out of money, I still got checks. <laughs> Don't write the check if you ain't got the money. That's tempting God. Living a sinful lifestyle and presuming, presuming God's grace is going to cover you. Presuming God's grace is going to cover your rebellion. That's tempting God. You can't repeatedly live a, a continuing lifestyle of sin and God's grace. That's tempting God. He's not going to do that. What God wants you, he wants you to ask forgiveness and repent and turn around. Get out of that place. Quit doing that. The fifth thing that hindered them, they got into trouble, is murmuring. Now, all of these is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, these verses that I share with you. Nor complain. Are murmurs, some translation says murmurs, as some of them also complained, and notice what they was happened. And they just they were destroyed by the destroyer. In other words, God, they destroyed them. God sent an angel and destroyed them. Why was that so devastating? Murmuring, negative confession, complaining, criticizing, fault finding. Ultimately, it was a complaint toward God. It was a complaint toward God's leadership. It was a complaint toward God's provision. God, your provisions isn't enough. Your leadership is not, it's not right. And it's ultimately a complaint against God. And so when you murmur or complain about the situations you're going through, listen, it could be worse. Don't complain and get into the complaining mode. What we need to do is start blessing and praising and get the blessings of God into our situation. Please don't complain. Because you're complaining about God's provisions. And you're complaining about God's favor on your life. Listen, it could be worse. God, it's your fault. I'm going through this mess. No, listen to me. You may be where you're at because God has designed for you to be there for you to learn something. There's a whole lot of things that's going on in our life that we don't understand. And so what we need to do that when we're going through these areas, try to find out what God wants to teach us as we're going through. The greatest words in the Bible is it came to what? Pass. No matter what you're going through, it came to pass. It's going to pass. And God is going to take you into something else. God is on your side. God is on your side. Start praising him. Start blessing him. Start living this year intentionally with purpose all year long. Just let this be something that you want to do. Live proactive, not reactive. And, and God wants to pour out his blessings upon you and I. But put yourself in a position this year to, for the, him to be able to bless you. Amen. Live intentionally and don't allow anything of these, any of these things in your life that will hinder you to getting 
where God wants you to go. Amen? Every head bowed tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you tonight and we bless you. We bless you tonight, God. God, we bless you. You're a good God, and that is our confession today, and that we trust you. We trust you with our life. We trust you with our future. God, I want to challenge, I want to challenge not only these folks, but I want to challenge myself. I want to start living intentionally this year. I want to become proactive this year, not just waiting around for something to happen for me to react, but I want to, I want to live with purpose, intentional, intentionally begin to, to live my life with purpose and plans this year, God. I want to begin to use my time wisely and, and begin to redeem the time that you have given me. God, I pray that everyone in the sound, under the sound of my voice will accept the challenge tonight to begin to live intentionally, not to allow anything into their life that would hinder or stop the plans and the blessings of God from coming their way. God, do it for your glory. Do it for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to take some time to talk to God. I want the men to come, and, if you will, and I want you to find a place to kneel before God around this, around this stage. Will you do that tonight? I want you to show a, set an example to your family and your friends and your neighbors that you're not ashamed to come and kneel before God and spend some time talking to Him. Come on, teenagers. Let's build an altar tonight. Let's kind of make a covenant with God. We want to start living intentionally tonight. Kind of change the way we do, do business with the Lord. Not just be reactive, but God want to become proactive. Come on, moms. Let's build an altar in your seat or wherever it is. I want you to build an altar. You can kneel at your seat if you want to. Bow your head. I, I, I just want you to pray. Spend some time with God tonight. Will you do that? Oh, Father God, I bless you tonight. I bless you tonight, God. I bless you tonight, God. I bless these men. I bless these men, God. I bless these men. God, honor their faith and their faithfulness, their commitment to you, these young men. God, they're here not because they have to be here, but they're here because they want to be. They want to learn of you. They want to live for you. They want your plans, your purpose for their life. God, now I pray that you'll show them and you'll lead them. You'll begin to direct them and allow them to see your purposes. God, do it for your glory. This year, brand new year, brand new start, brand new start. Touch the lives of these men all across this building. Minister grace and healing to their life, God. Strength for the way. Wisdom to make the right choices. Oh, God. Wisdom to make the right choices. Someone going through difficult circumstances, God, give them grace to, to endure and to overcome. Give them wisdom, God, to solve some of the problems they face. Do it, God, for your glory, for these young men. Give them grace, Lord God. We purpose to live intentionally with purpose this year. This year, God, this year, this year, God, this year, do it. This year, change in direction. Change in direction, God, this year. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, this year. 
Touch their lives, Lord God, tonight. Overshadow them with your care, Lord God. Draw them close to you. Do it tonight, God. Do it tonight, Lord. Do it tonight. Do it tonight, God. Do it tonight. Do it tonight, God. It's me, Lord. It's me, Lord. It's me. It's me again, Lord. I've come. It's me again. God, I worship you. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Mm, I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Oh, I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Oh, Lord God, we bless you. We bless you tonight, Lord God. We bless you tonight, God. God, I bless you. I bless you, Lord. God, I bless you. New directions, God. New choices, new decisions. God, we want your will in our life. We want your purposes in our life. Scripture says in verse 10, says, Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. All of these things happened to them as examples. Five things that kept them from inhabiting successfully their promised land are the same things that will hinder us and keep us from being all that God wants us to be. We're not going to let that happen to us. Amen? We're not going to let that happen to us. We're going to live intentionally this year. Amen? Stand with me tonight. God bless you guys. Shake hands and be friendly, will you? Don't let a visitor get out of the building without showing yourself friendly. Okay? God bless. <laughs>